0: The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. It's sex out loud, and you're welcome to listen in passion on CJAD 800. Do men give love for sex and women give sex for love? We're going to dissect this with my guest coming up after 10:15, but first, let's take a look at the inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. Remember, you can always email me your questions at at, uh, laurie at drlaurie.com, L-A-U-R-I-E at D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E. Anytime during the week and anytime throughout the show, if there are leftover questions, I will be sure to answer them towards the end of the show as well. Here's one. Hi, doctor. I'm 23 years old, male, and I've never had sex before, so I'm watching porn every day to satisfy my desires. I have a problem that happens when I urinate. Sperm goes out after urination, and I don't know the cause of this problem. So certainly a certain amount of uh, semen can still be found in the urethra after an ejaculation. So basically when you urinate, your urine can be cloudy, which is what maybe you're seeing. Remember that I only have limited information, so I can only hypothesize or just make assumptions on what you're telling me. Uh, And it's not, not a replacement for a medical diagnosis for anything, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Uh, but I'm just assuming that this is what you're talking about, and this is completely normal. It doesn't indicate a problem in any way, um, which is why when you do start having sex, that pulling out before ejaculation, so the pull-out method, for example, may not prevent um pregnancy because of that pre-ejaculate that contains that leftover sperm that stays in your urethra. So if you have, uh, masturbated and ejaculated and then have sex, you may still have some uh, live sperm in the urethra. So, uh, it's, it kind of explains that as well, which is why the withdrawal method doesn't, uh, it doesn't work that effectively. I love my boyfriend. He is great. And we've been together uh, 12 years. In the last few years, he has been wanting me to have sex with other guys which I have with him, like a threesome. Now he wants me to go out and have sex with a guy alone. I don't want to have sex with another guy if my boyfriend is not there. Then he wants me to have a gangbang. I've told him I'm not comfortable with that. He just says, oh, you would like it once it started. I don't think I would. I told him I might be comfortable to have sex with him and three other guys. He then tells me that other guys don't like the boyfriend there because they won't be there themselves. I wouldn't be myself. I told him I would feel like I was cheating on him and I don't want anything to ruin our relationship. What do you think I should do? I know this is a crazy question, but I swear it's true. So here's all about boundaries. To me, this is a situation that, um, we have our, our boundaries when it comes to, to sex. And sometimes our partners will talk about some fantasy that they want or something that, that they find exciting that they want to realize in real life that you may not want to, and that's okay. You're allowed to have that boundary. You're allowed to say, don't push me. Don't pressure me. Uh, no means no, I don't want to, uh, or at least you can say not at this time or, or you have the conversation as to how it would look like. Obviously you wouldn't be cheating on him if this was, consensual non-monogamy, but it all depends on how you feel about it. So you've got to think about this for yourself, for your relationship. If you are the kind of couple that uh, wants to keep it open to other um, other, other relationships, well, not relationships, but other sexual encounters, then that's a discussion the two of you have to have, and you can decide how that looks like. So whatever is comfortable for you, it, these are the rules you have to establish together. So this is negotiation and compromising and respecting each other's limits and, and limitations, but definitely requires a, a conversation there. I've always wanted to be tickled by many women with no mercy. Is my fantasy likely to be disappointing if I try to fulfill it? And is it possible to be tickled and to be helpless like a child? So this is a a tickling fetish, clearly. Uh, Of course, there's no sure way to tell a fantasy that you act out in real life will be all that you imagined it to be. Some people in any fantasy really uh, who've acted them out some report being disappointed saying that it was much better in their fantasies and others say that it was great or better than they imagined it Um, but once you make a fantasy a reality there's a risk that the fantasy itself no longer holds the same uh, power so you have to remember that remember that in a fantasy we control everything and in real life, there are factors we don't we often just ignore, or don't account for, or things that we we don't expect. So um, it also sounds to me like your fantasy to be tickled to a degree that you feel helpless is really a form of submission. And when you submit in that way, I would say, yeah, you probably might feel childlike again, because you would feel, uh, helpless. You would be tickled into, um, submission. Uh, a texter writes in for the boyfriend, uh, the, the woman who wrote in her boyfriend wants her to have sex with other guys says, I think this guy is just using her as a whore for him and his friends. If I was her, I would drop him like a bad habit. That's a possibility too. I know nothing about the situation. I know nothing about him, so uh, but you know, if I had her in my office, you're right, I would be asking all kinds of questions in terms of how she's felt um, other behaviors that he has done, and I have seen this where an a, a very a, like abusive partner would basically pimp out his wife uh, for other guys, all in the guise of this is my fantasy, and you'll like it too, and what have you, and she had a hard time saying no uh, to, to him, but that she felt assaulted every time. So, uh, I did not the sense that I got with that, this person writing in, but nonetheless, you're right. That could be a a possibility question. I just want to make sure I'm properly appreciating my girlfriend's vagina when I perform oral sex. So what are the best tips to make sure you pleasure your partner, right? Anybody want to, uh, to add their, their tips for good oral sex. First of all, I applaud you. I applaud you for wanting to know the roadmap to your partner's uh, genitals. A lot of guys don't want the roadmap, but you're asking for it. And and it's smart because each woman has her own map and she's the really the only one who could tell you what she likes. Some women will prefer a softer touch. Other women prefer a bit more, more pressure. Using your fingers and your mouth to explore every part of the vulva is important the labia the inner and outer lips the clitoris Uh, some women also like to be have a finger inserted during oral sex at the same time you could try a, a come here motion with your finger, which basically stimulates, uh, like the G spot area, which, uh, is pleasurable for a lot of women, not all, but for a lot of women, uh, you have to listen to her sounds of pleasure. You have to ask guidance from her. Um, you can ask her if something feels good and if you want her, if, uh, if she wants you to continue that. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that you, you would want to, uh, to find out. Uh, There are some women that, um, don't know when you ask them, uh, what would you like? They say, I don't know. And that's often because they don't really know their own genitals too well. So you can say, well, we'll explore together. We'll try different things. And you tell me yes or no, this feels good or this doesn't feel good. Right. Uh, coming up, we are going to talk about, do men give love, uh, give love for sex and women give sex for love. We, uh, will dissect this, uh, coming up. We strip away the stigmas every night with passion on cjad 800 do men give love for sex and women give sex for love a socio-economic and political view on human sexual behavior with my guest social worker and author marissa daruwala welcome marissa do we hear you hi on the show hi great to have you on the show All right, this is a bit um, of a different kind of approach to sexuality that we usually take, economics and politics. Uh, So why the focus on economics and politics when it comes to sexuality?
1: Well, because as a social worker, I've noticed that politics influence the economy, which has an effect on our social status, thus our psychological welfare and behavior. So even though socioeconomic and political factors influence our behavior in general, their effect on our sexual behavior became very apparent uh, to me throughout my social work with prostitutes.
0: Oh, so with your work, uh, with sex workers then?
1: Yeah, exactly, yes.
0: Okay, so give us a, 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 an example, a concrete example of how it all goes together.
1: Uh, well, like I said, um, politics influences the economy, that means on um, how much money we have to spend. Um, it has an effect. Uh, this, of course, has an effect on 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 our spending power, and uh, so all this. Um, uh, um, we have the uh, the problem of, of capitalism. Like, for example, prostitution doesn't exist in in places where. where Capitalism is maybe not so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, tribes that still live according to Mother Earth's rules—they don't—they don't have prostitution in their system. Uh, Prostitution—when one can, one can say, one can argue—is it is um, is it the oldest profession, or is it the oldest form of sexual abuse? Oh, so okay. uh, as such. Um, I think that uh, politics and, and economy influences a lot of our sexual behavior, the way we think of uh, about sex, etc., etc. It has a big role on our on gender. So,
0: right. Well, I can see it in the states if we look at the politics of sex education, for example, or we look at a very conservative uh, government where they uh, promote mostly abstinence only education it makes sexuality quite taboo um, and it has a great influence on on the what people learn the messages they get and their behaviors i would imagine
1: and i think the biggest institution that, that preaches abstinence we have a lot of sexuality so i totally agree with what you're saying yeah
0: yeah I find it interesting, uh, the whole political view uh, and the socioeconomic view. But you did, your book looks back in time all the way to Darwin and the, the evolutionary perspective on this. Can you talk about that, the, what the Darwinian approach is?
1: Uh, sure. So Darwin um, offers the approach that, uh, so according to him and his followers, men give love for sex and women give sex for love. Uh, according to the selection selection or sexual selection theory. Uh, And we must not forget that Darwin, when uh, he was developing his evolution theory, the abolitionist movement against slavery was already in existence. Uh, His theory was developed around 1860. And uh, when you dissect his theory, you can see that... Uh, and some movements also say that its it was used to reinforce old religious doctrines, continuing the enablement of male domination of the female, but now from a scientific standpoint. Mm. And so, of course, capitalism benefits from Darwin's popular, with the way we know it, survival of the fittest theory. Right. And has uh, therefore, and it has dysfunctional effects on our human sexual behavior. Um so naturally also the sexual encounters or relationships that we, how we manage them. So we make, a,
0: the, we make a lot of assumptions and we hold to those beliefs based on uh, these older, older theories. So the, the theory that men are promiscuous by nature and that women are monogamous by nature uh, like serves a purpose to our society is what you're saying.
1: That's what I found out through my analysis, yes, which I share in my book. There's a lot of, conf- there's a lot of contradic- contradictions in Darwin's theory, and um, it, actually we believe that, when, that men give love for sex and women give sex for love. It are, implies that they have different uh, and already conflicting gender strategies and also strategies when it comes to sex and
0: uh, well, yes absolutely. and it also negates the fact that women women don 't take sex for themselves so where's the pleasure exactly where's that. the pleasure part in all of this we're looking at the his- like a historical perspective on sexuality and not just a historical but political and socioeconomic uh, with Marissa Darwala, the author of Do men give love for Sex and Women give Sex for Love? if you have any questions, you can send them in at five one four. 800 uh so what about monogamy can we talk about that like do you dispute the fact that not not the fact but the belief that monogamy uh is is or is not part of our dna what do you believe
1: so well uh i was brought up with uh, darwin's approach that men give love for sex and women give sex for love Mm -hmm. um and uh for me uh this uh this claim that uh that, yeah, so in opposition to Darwin, you have the scientists who claim that monogamy is not part of our human DNA right but, and then the claim this claim that monogamy it 's more equalitarian, so women and men have the same approach, so this claim was um, it seemed to make more sense to me than darwin 's theory, and this is also the point of view that in which I started my analysis uh, on natural human sexual behavior however throughout my analysis or throughout the writing of my book i was kind of forced to come to the conclusion that i think monogamy or lifetime pair bonding is the better fit for both man and woman mm. and then and of course taking the education or the of the offspring or education of children or when we take also into account uh, the effects of divorce on on children uh According to some research that Dr. Phil always talks about, children that uh, live in um, uh, step who have stepmothers or stepfathers, they are prone to, to be more victims of, of abuse. So, all these factors taken into account, just shows to me and other several other factors that I think we're better served being in monogamous relationships.
0: So, in your uh, your so you believe that monogamy is better for the human race? Period. Yes. Okay. And and that's on an equal footing. So it's not that men, men can, because in some cultures, men can be non-monogamous, but women can't.
1: Exactly. No. So I think that it's because also sexually transmitted diseases cannot be transferred or transmitted in, in a monogamous relationship. That's that's, true. (laughs) I think a big argument that that shows, and maybe nature's sign that, you know, we are better in monogamous relationships. Right.
0: Uh, I want to talk about, there's a few things I want to talk about with you. You talk about uh, creating a world where boys are taught not to rape, abuse uh, women. How do we do that exactly? And what do you mean by
1: that? Well, it's a great question. How do we do that? Because with when you have, when you have a country like the U.S. that is uh, that is what representing democracy worldwide, and then elects a president who, who who likes to grab them by the I don't know if I'm allowed to use the term, but who likes to grab them by the the pussy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, th- this already just shows how how deep that the problem is. Yes. Um,
0: well, there's the socio-economic and political <laughs> influence too. There's a lot of that.
1: Absolutely. Uh Absolutely. So for me, firstly, what I think is is necessary is uh, tackling the problem at its roots. As we know, no one has ever been able to empty the ocean with a spoon, or like the Dutch (laughs) like to say, there is no sense in trying to empty the water in your flooded house while the water taps are still on. Right. So I personally have never understood why we keep focusing on changing girls' behavior, because basically we are teaching girls to always watch their backs. Yeah. Never fully, truly be feel safe and secure around men. And the other side of the coin is boys. Ex, boys be, bad behavior is being excused. Boys will be boys. We know that. Uh, that that saying. So we need to stop making girls responsible for boys and men's behavior, uh, because this way of the way of thinking that. Uh, That we need to make girls responsible is not going to stop the abuse or rape. And what will is teaching boys and men to take responsibility for their actions.
0: Yeah, that's that's a big uh, big switch to parenting also and, and our education system.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Right. Uh, Marissa Darawalla is my guest. She is a social worker and the author of Do Men Give Love for Sex and Women Give Sex for Love. Um, We have a texter that says what the two of you is on about, you must be smoking. (laughs) Yet women have more orgasms than men plus women need sex as, as much as men you guys want to change things i suggest you go back in time of creation the only thing we want to change i don't think we're talking about change but uh looking at it more as a on an egalitarian basis i think that's the main message that i'm i'm hearing from our guest well
1: when we take into account that um uh, that one in three girls are being sexually abused before the age of 18, and that number was one in five ten years ago, one in three now. Um, yeah, a, I mean... Uh, that's alarming. My goal, my goal is for women and girls to be able to enjoy their sexuality just as much as... Boys and men get to enjoy their sexuality.
0: Absolutely. Uh, hang on, uh, hang out with us for a little while longer. We've got uh, Marissa Dharwala. Uh, interesting conversation and some interesting texts coming up too. We'll also discuss uh, why the Me Too movement is so necessary, according to uh, to our guest. That's all coming up. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJAD 800. Do men give love for sex, and women give sex for love uh, this uh, or is female sexuality plainly and simply misunderstood a socio economic and political view on human sexual behavior that 's the title of the book. The author is Marissa Daruwala. She is uh, with us it 's very early in the morning she 's all the way in Europe, so uh, thank you for uh, staying up or getting up this early and being with us. Uh, We have uh, a a couple of texts. We were talking about creating a world where boys at a young age are taught, um, well, not to rape, abuse women, for example. Uh, That's a a big ask. But this text writes, uh, when a man grows up in an abusive environment, he will most likely be abusive unless he becomes the extreme opposite. You either become like your parents or you become the extreme opposite. But I think this person has it right, there are societies where men are told that they are superior to women, according to the scriptures, Bible, and Quran, for instance, Sharia law as well therefore if men are superior women have no value, uh, so is that part of, when you talk about the socio-economic and political landscape for ma- for allowing this to, to happen is this what you're talking about as well uh, Marissa?
1: Yeah, definitely I mean, um I think we're talking about, in this case, also gender roles. Mm-hmm. So definitely that uh, politics and economics uh, influence our, our, how, we, how we perceive our gender roles.
0: Yeah, isn't that changing though? With in the last fifty years, with women being in the workforce, I know in Canada, for example, we have far more uh, or, or more graduates are women from medical school, from uh, uh, from university, for example. So we're going to see more and more uh, women in 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 different positions of power. Let's say.
1: Uh, I agree that there's been a lot of change, but I think I do believe uh, that deep down that there has been societies or maybe still are societies around the world that haven't been touched by Western influence or by, by capitalism. Right. And where male and female are on an equal pedestal, and that's actually what I would like to see that we go back to.
0: To that equality. Well, go to back to, quality. but where we never came from. There, we're going towards that. I, I would think.
1: That's yeah. That's what we're. That's what I think we're brought up to believe. When you were talking about uh, certain nations or cultures, uh, I was thinking of Islam. That mm-hmm. uh, the media portrays as being male-dominated. Yeah. For when you take, for example, the nation of Islam in the states led by Minister Louis Farrakhan, um, I think that their position on, on how to treat women is, is very recommendable and actually goes against everything that we are taught about Islam. So I do believe that there are uh, cultures or tribes or populations, communities that do have this egalitarian take or that do respect their women. And I don't know if it's this this sexism, whether it's a problem everywhere in every culture. Right. So I think more research would have to be done on that.
0: And to see where in the world we don't have this, we don't have such a high rate of uh, sexual abuse, for example, like that's a staggering number when you talk about one in three women and not that men don't get abused. They do. Um, Absolutely, but, yeah. uh, but just that the culture of the culture of abuse, which is the, uh, of non-consensual sexual activity, which is to me, why the me too movement is so necessary. Maybe you want to address that, uh, Marissa a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I want to also address that sexual violence that we must also not forget or we must remember. We should not deny that sexual violence has definitely been embedded in Western culture since as far as we can see uh, when we check the transatlantic slave trade. So the hashtag MeToo movement was also founded or started by uh, a black woman, if we can say, to address sexual assault in in communities of color, mm-hmm. uh, Tarana Burke. And um, I think also it's very important to know that maybe sexual violence does not see race or class, but the response to it does. Right. So the hashtag MeToo movement is important because it's community-based and it, it gives the women or victims because there's, like you said, men yeah. also mm-hmm. or boys also are victims of sexual abuse. It gives them a voice. It gives. It shows them that they're not alone. And I think because of the social media attention, it's it's gotten a lot of lot of
0: um, um, more
1: importance and more people are interested in this and so i think it's a good step forward
0: absolutely and uh, one text writes a modern muslim will respect his woman the perfect example was the show little mosque on on the cbc uh, and i think uh, i think you're right i think we have this view as a, just as a society because of what we are also fed for the most part, but it's not in every grouping. So, uh, I mean, there's obviously work to be done. Um, Marissa Daruala is my guest. She is uh, the author of Do Men Give Love for Sex and Women Give Sex for Love?, Her organization or her website is SeedSexEducation.org, SeedSexEducation.org. You talk about miseducation about sexuality and um, I saw you mention something about uh, sexual incompatibility is related to miseducation about sex. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah. so sexual incompatibility is the idea that evolved from Darwin's sexual selection theory, and which claims that men are sexual by nature, whilst women not so much. Okay. So we are taught to believe that men and women are sexually incompatible by nature.
0: Right. And this
1: results, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy, in low or no-sex marriages, especially like you said before, since this theory seems to justify male sexual infidelity. Right. Uh, however, there are so many inconsistencies in Darwin's theory, and it's a theory, it's so it, it's it's nothing... It's Factual. not fact.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So the first part of my book highlights these contradictions in regards to his theory, so in regards to our sexual miseducation, and also analyzes the effects of this miseducation on our gender roles, but also on how we manage our sexual relationships. Yeah. And so the second part of my book also, I offer practical tips and exercises for couples, but more specifically men that are stuck in a low-sex or no-sex relationship. And these exercises or sexercises sex are supposed to teach how to firstly awaken female sexual desire, better known as libido, and secondly on how to stimulate female sexual arousal, and thirdly on how to achieve female orgasm by, by including the, the clitoris.
0: It's interesting. Think... Your book is so interesting because it, it goes from that, the whole landscape of sexuality in terms of the, uh, the socioeconomic and political views and the history of it, right into how to improve uh, female sexuality and, and female sexual pleasure. So we talk about the, the female pleasure the second part of your book has all these great exercises, so really, really good. I just want to share a text. Uh, Dr. Laurie. Western Society, don't forget that in the United States, uh, Western Society women were not allowed to vote. Sure, when you involve religion, things are not the same. Look before the world was wild like the wild, wild west, but we are getting civilized, and it's a long way more to go. Even some fathers value their sons more than their daughters so we still have a way to go is, I think, what, what this uh, this texter is writing to us. Is there still more value placed on maybe male children or males? Uh, I it-
1: absolutely agree. And there's still a segregation of the sexes when we go into our uh, play stores where we buy the the games for our kids it's uh, boys toys on the one side girls yeah. toys on the other side that's
0: true i never know i never realized that but that is true right aisles yeah. <laughs> of dolls and aisles of trucks the exactly. two the two not together uh, uh hang, out li- marissa, hang out with us a little marissa hang out with us a little while longer i want to uh i want to talk about how to awaken female sexual desire and your theories on that uh, that's coming up with social worker and author Marissa Daruwala the author of Do Men Give Love for Sex and Women Give Sex for Love you can uh, check out her work at seedsexeducation.org that's seed as in uh, S-E-E-D sexeducation.org this is with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Let's talk about how to awaken female sexual desire. My guest is Marissa Darawala, the author of "Do Men Give Love for Sex and Women Give, Give Sex uh, for Love." And the, I'm very curious about your prescriptions for awakening uh, sexual desire and pleasure in women. So maybe you can share uh, some of your secrets with us
1: like I heard you say in answering to one of your questions, to one of the questions of your listeners before, I mean, it's all very subjective. Every woman is different. Right. Um, So every man needs to actually try and find out what will awaken sexual desire, what will keep that sexual desire, that libido awoke in a woman. Uh, Because I think sexual desire doesn't necessarily depend on physical touch or physical act. But rather, they say that for women, foreplay starts <laughs> way before...
0: <laughs> I say that <laughs> <couple> so often.
1: <laughs> yeah, so way before the, the couple enters into the bedroom. And I think that is very important for in regards to sexual desire. Right. And uh, to overcome our misconceptions about sex, so to understand that men is not, a man is not gay or at the problems of hyper-masculinity, that a man is a man, is still a man, even if he gives a woman foreplay. (laughs) So foreplay, of course, is very important. Uh, But there are many aspects, of course, to, to what drives or what keeps a healthy sexual relationship awake
0: but isn't there like, here's where the difference I find lies. So even though, yes, there's desire on both parts and men and women, uh, want it. And women who lose their desire still want to want it. But I will hear different things like from women saying they need to feel, they need to feel the the loved without the sex first. Not that they don't want the sex, but they need to feel loved uh, for love's sake rather than, uh for the sex so where this you know where, where women give sex for love they really want the love without the sex so that they feel they can give they can then be sexual i don't know i, if I don't
1: know if, it, if love is maybe the right word i would say appreciation ap- yes maybe, exactly word. yes but the belief that men give love for sex and women give sex for love causes already so much confusion between what is sex and what is love
0: right exactly but i know that i know that women often say they and i talk about this as feeling warmth in their hearts like they need to feel the warmth for their partner which means that they need to feel that appreciation as you said they need to feel that love or regard from their partner not just in the bedroom outside of the bedroom and so the the definition of foreplay is what we need to look at for men it might mean one thing for women it might mean something else
1: sure and what also i think is the need what is the need what is the like uh, for one woman hearing the vacuum cleaner when she's not you know operating it herself (laughs) <laughs> so her husband is cleaning. That could be, you know, uh, stimulating to her. That could make her again attracted to her husband or right. to her boyfriend. So all these st- stimulate emotions in us. And I think, uh, it, it, yeah. So we had, need to. A couple needs to check what is a woman's, what is, what does she need, what does she d- desire to to be able to feel these sensations of. of
0: mm. I rarely, I have to say, Marissa, I rarely hear from men who say that they get turned on when they hear their partner vacuuming <laughs> <So> <laughs> or doing the dishes.
1: But I think what one, <laughs> one thing that is very important is that we don't make a clear distinction between so sex and love, and mm-hmm. we're also not brought up to see how they are deeply connected, because sex is actually an act, an action, or an activity, while love is an emotion.
0: Well, and an emotion, but also has is a full of different behaviors. You, yes, love is also a emotion, verb. Emotion, yeah. if you
1: take emotion, e, it's an, it's energy in in motion. Emotions are actually energy in us that, that right. move us to do things. Whether it's hunger, hunger for for food, uh, hunger right. for so, sex, hunger for touch. So, actually, sex is a tool, it's an act where we can share, where we can show our love to right. the other person. Right.
0: All makes a lot of sense and packaged, uh, quite, it's a great intellectual exercise to read the book, and then it has, of course, all the, real, the other exercises, but uh, fascinating stuff. I really, uh, really appreciate you spending the time with us and getting up so early, and uh, good luck with it. Truly.
1: Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity.
0: Uh, my pleasure, Marissa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Uh that- bye-bye now that is Marissa Daruwala, the author of Do Men Give Love for Sex and Women Give Sex for Love or Is Female Sexuality Plainly and Simply Misunderstood a Socioeconomic and Political View on Human Sexual Behavior a really interesting read and also full of exercises on how to awaken uh, female sexual desire you can uh, check it out at SeedSexEducation.org that's education. Seed Education.org. I want to answer some, uh, so a couple more of your questions. I think I have a little bit of time, uh, time for that. And remember, you can send them in any time during the show, any show, all night long, all or well, all week long, uh, to five one four. Eight hundred, And you can also uh, send them in to me by email anytime. Lori at drlory.com This text writes, it's important to be compatible sexually, but also intellectually. Yes. I, you know what? I agree with you and not, and not just intellectually, sexually, but also value compatibility. Like there's a lot of areas and a lot of things besides the sex that brings people together and keeps that attraction going. And I think we have to keep that in mind that attraction is very subjective also because of the stimulation, the different kinds of stimulation that uh, somebody provides for us, whether it's stimuli, stimulation, visually, whether it's stimulation intellectually, all these things uh, matter very much. They just matter to different degrees uh, to different people and, and whatever you find attractive is very subjective a question why do some people get sexually transmitted infections are some people more at risk for contracting them than others so obviously people who do not use condoms on a regular basis or rather all the time are at higher risk for uh, contracting an STI and also studies show that the one factor the 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 biggest risk factor is the number of sexual partners that a person has. Remember that condoms do not protect you against all STIs. Uh, There's herpes and the human papillomavirus that are skin to skin. So the number of sexual partners really does matter in in this regard. So that's uh, that would put you more at risk. Here's an interesting question. How does erotica compared to porn given that a lot of females read slash write erotica is it considered feminist porn so i'm not sure what feminist porn is but erotica to me anyway erotica means it has um, more of a storyline it may have a little bit more romance more build-up uh, like I'm thinking of romance novels that we, I, at least I grew up with these Harlequin romances. They now have upped those to include like a, a Harlequin, uh, basically X-rated. So not that they weren't before, but they've, they've just taken it up a notch. And there's a, a whole series of those now that are far more sexual. And that's, that's basically erotica that's written uh, with the women in mind. So there's more of a buildup. Uh, it's not just straight on sex. It's not just the act of sex. So there's, there's just more, more to it when we, if we were to compare erotica to, uh, to porn, although now there are more and more, um, female producers of porn. So it, Where it it is porn, but it has more of that erotic uh, flair to it because it's got more of a storyline, etc. Remember that you can send me questions anytime. All right. Uh, do that. I'm here to help. I can't wait to meet some of you on uh, Wednesday. It's our uh, live and interactive event. It's taking place on the 24th. We're going to take you behind the scenes and you'll get to tour the studios. We'll talk. You can ask me questions in real life right there in person. There'll be eats. Uh, we'll be eating from uh, Rob's American Barbecue and bozal natural brewery so you can enter to win just go to uh, cjad800.com and uh, hopefully you will uh, get a chance to meet us all and plus wednesday night we're having a special broadcast me john paul dave simon and brian kalasar the entire passion team we'll be together. So I'm really excited and I'm hoping Paris Mentori will be there to film as well because she's on the team. So that'll be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. Thanks to Brian Kalisar, our technical producer tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com coming up next here on CJD. We bring you the CTV national news. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. Baby,